looking for a podcast about nothing, then you are definitely in the right spot. Join Ross Peterson and Mark Charter each week as they discuss life, current events, and the things you are not allowed to talk about at work. Okay, hang on, because here we go. This is Ross and Mark, Jump the Shark. Jump the Shark is sponsored by Charterhouse Real Estate. Charterhouse can help you save thousands when you sell, and we can help you buy your next home as well. Google Charterhouse to see hundreds of great reviews or learn more about us at charterhouseiowa.com. Now here is the show. I can feel it all the way down in my plums. Yeah. And away we go, and we start with this. Ross, why do you hang out with hypocrites? <laughs> Who am I? <laughs> Who have I hung out with that's a hypocrite? For those, for those that don't know how this show works. That's fantastic. This is what happens each week. Ross was actually just doing some real work over there, and I said, it's time to record. He comes over. I hit record. And then he just has to deal with whatever I say. I'm good with that. It's my it's my favorite thing to do. Your yeah. friend John Miller's a hypocrite. Uh, I, John is my friend, first of all. Um, now we're not we're that. not we're not breaking major news here. This is just about a tweet, but you know we we, <laughs> we need we need we need content for this. All right. So first thing that people need to know, John Miller was a guy that ran Hawkeye Nation for a long time. I think he actually started that website. Uh, sold it a few years ago when he went to he moved to. Uh, uh, I think Oklahoma, somewhere down south of here. Um, John and I maintained a friendship and a relationship, and he's a, a really nice guy. But John did have kind of a political turning. I think he'd maybe call it an epiphany or something like that. But he 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 did have like a um, a reevaluation of his political leanings, and he has become a little bit more liberal, a little bit more. Um, uh, Critical of the conservative side than he used to be, it. But so, so John and that, has, and that is, and that is all fair. Okay, of you to say that. All right, this has nothing to do with politics. Okay, okay. What happened? So this was the tweet uh, he posted, uh, according to Twitter, twenty one hours ago. Someone was saying something about sports betting. John says, "I don't place wagers on sports. I am morally against it." Uh, and he says, "One, it's not my thing. Two, I live in a state where I can't." But watching videos on props and all this stuff. Uh, he likes it, et cetera. So anyway, he says he's morally against betting on sports. 21 hours ago. Okay. An hour ago, he retweets our buddy Trent Condon's post, which is only and solely about betting lines. <laughs> Trent's tweet was, lines have been posted by Elite Sportsbook for each Iowa football game. Iowa minus nine and a half. Northwestern plus 14 yeah. and a half. Michigan plus four. Iowa plus two. Blah, 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 blah. And he retweets it. Okay. Here's my, here's my thought, Ross. Yeah. If you're morally opposed to something, such as sports betting in this instance, you probably shouldn't have anything to do with sports betting. Well, okay. And I... I will defend it a little bit here, and not just because John's my buddy, but because I, I like to play devil's advocate. And I and it, you know me, I always like to try to see what what somebody's doing or thinking or the logic. Hey, you do it. you. And John right. is, John's a logical dude, so there's something that there's something here. And I think I can find the the line that I, I I'm interested in gambling stuff. 
I'm interested in lines. You know, I don't ever place a bet. And it's not, I have no moral obligation to it. I just don't like to do it. Um, but I don't, I also am fascinated by lines. I'm fascinated by how good Vegas is at predicting this stuff. It's fun at the beginning of the year. Like right now, the Hawks are uh, four and a half or five is their over under for games, which of course seems crazy low when you're only playing nine games. But even at nine yeah. games, that seems, that seems kind of low for this team. So that's fascinating to me, and that's the type of stuff I could see myself diving into. What are all the other Big Ten over-unders? You know, Ohio State's got to go undefeated to make their over. Um, it's funny. Ohio State's over-under is more than their actual number of games scheduled right now, which is, which is wild. It's nine and a half? It's eight and a half because they have, they have the nine game. That ninth game isn't scheduled yet. Oh, so okay. not even knowing who their ninth opponent is, Vegas says they're, they have a half percent chance. Of- Would you bet that over? Is that no. how it's going to lose? No, I, I think, I mean, I wouldn't bet, I wouldn't bet on an undefeated season ever. Yeah. Uh, not, not, a, that, that seems crazy. It just, it, what you're hearing from Ohio State is that this is their best team ever. And that which, could be, and I, yeah. but this is the weirdest year ever. It is. You're not going to play home games with fans, maybe. I don't know. I think oh, Ohio State, Ohio yeah. State's going to be here this weekend, and maybe if they start doing it around the country and yeah. people aren't falling over dead, right? Yeah, uh, we'll start. Uh, we'll start getting back to something decent. But so, what I think John is doing there is saying, number one, I do have a moral, ob- a moral. Uh, what's he say? Um, not obligation. Uh, I, I, I have a moral problem with gambling, and I, so I don't gamble. But I do think it's interesting as a Hawkeye fan that these things are out there, and that experts that are good at predicting this stuff, say these things. Does that make sense at all? Like, it's two different things. It One, does, but it would be a little bit like saying, I'm, I have a moral problem with alcohol. Uh, I think it's destructive to families. I think it's destructive to society. But this Budweiser but, but, ad but, is fun. But here, I'm going to retweet this Budweiser coupon that just hit my, my inbox. So if it happens to be your thing, it's like if you're against it, you're against it, and you shouldn't have anything to do with it. Yeah. That's my point. I don't know John, but I just want to start the show with that. I like so. John a lot. He's a nice, I doubt John listens. Nice guy. Uh, you might surprise you, man. He consumes a lot of stuff, and this is the type of thing. John, you might be a great guy. Somebody might if reach out to him and go, "Hey, dude, you yeah, you might, you might be a great it. guy." On this particular instance, yeah, I think it was a little hypocritical. If you don't like gambling, great. don't tweet about it. I hope, he, I hope he reached out to you and say, "Hey, here's what I here's what I was actually thinking." Here's yeah, I'd, I'd, like, I'd like or, to know, or maybe I'd, I'd like to know the justification. What if he sure. sends back to you to say, "See, I was trying to point out what a degenerate Trent Condon is." Oh, we know this. <laughs> Trent would admit this, dude. Trent, Trent's, a, Trent's a dabbler, See, by the way. And I don't mean to make this about John, but this is what makes John such a, a, a kind of a fascinating dude. Dace is one of his best friends, right? And he and Dace disagree on so much stuff. What's ironic about this, before, by the way, before you even get into something um, about Dace, is Dace would be considered, I don't know anything about John being religious or not. You could answer that. But Dace is considered religious, yeah. right? And on the right and all of that, Dace literally sells gambling picks. Yeah. I mean, he didn't just, I bet, I assume he bets, but he yeah. profits off of it directly. He sells his picks, which is fine. You can do that. But talk about, yeah, polar opposites on, on that. Uh, but so again, Mark, maybe it is, and I, I, I won't speak for another friend of mine because Steve Dace says a lot for himself and is a brilliant guy. Uh, uh, but I'm just going to assume that Steve doesn't see the moral dilemma there. Is that Steve doesn't? He would. He would have. Uh, he again with logic. 
with logic and reason that's been thought out more than I could do here in this uh, in this podcast that we're going to do, he's probably wrestled that thing down. Why am I okay with doing this, and why you know how is how is this going to be seen and judged someday? Because I think both of those guys go through that lens with a lot of their stuff. So yeah, you arrive at the pearly gates. Um, how high up on the list is you bet on games going to be at that discussion with God? Um, I, I just don't well, think. Mark, not, now, if you want to make a moral argument against it, the, the one that I would most closely associate with religion would be being a good steward of your money. Okay? Gambling is not being responsible with your money. I can understand that part. But if you're winning... Are you being irresponsible with your money? <laughs> you know, what if you're winning? Uh, what if you're not? What if you're not harming your family? Yeah. What if you're, you know? Or you can say, well, you're making profit off of losers. If you're taking their money. Well, not really. You bet against the house in theory. You're betting against a large casino. So I, I don't know. I, I, I don't know. I, I'd actually be curious to find out what so his moral objection I, is. I, I, I won't speak for any either of those guys, but I, I I'll tell you the things I've been around here because I was around. Um, Jan Michelson's program for a long time. Tom Coates was a big part of Jan's program, and Tom was uh, is an anti-gambling, outspoken anti-gambling advocate. I don't know yeah. if that's the wrong, right word, wrong. Yeah. Anyway, he uh, when yep. Prairie Meadows was launching their casino, when they'd moved from the racetrack to the casino, and that was the, I was producing Michelson's show at that time. So we were in the on the cutting edge of a lot of those conversations. You know, all of this stuff, Mark, anytime that you are trying to approach a conversation with um, the moral high ground, that's a, it's a weird place to start a big conversation because that requires everybody to acknowledge the morals. And, the, and it doesn't happen when ga- with gambling. When well, you, and people's when, moral codes are different. Completely. And when you walk up, I mean, Dace is a guy that's brilliant at, this, at laying out this sort of thing about how everyone's worldview is, is slightly skewed, slightly different from everybody else's. And when, you, when that starts to happen, all of these premises fall apart. So just like what you were just saying, how does Dace possibly do this? Well, one of those premises is not true. Yeah. I mean... Uh, on a bigger scale, dude, this is the way it is with politics all over the world, where people, you know, we've got 60 million people voted for one guy, 60 million people voted for one gal, and you've got 60 million people now that the rest stand... rest are apathetic. You've you, you got 60 million people that stand around now and, and think that the other 60 million people are fill-in-the-blank. Yeah. Stupid, because Crazy. they voted for her. Yeah, racist. Evil. Racist. Racist, because they voted for him. 60 million people. It's not that they arrived at a different conclusion from you. Yeah. Because I like they, it when people make statements like, I don't know a single person that voted for. You don't know a lot of people. Because well, there's 60 million I, out I there that voted. I see all the time, like, if, if you still support Donald Trump, then you must be a racist. And it's like, do yeah. you really? And, and I've, I've deleted so many of those comments because it's just not worth the fight anymore to, try, to say to people, hey, do you realize you're not, I don't care that you're, you're saying this about me. You're saying this about 60 million people. Does that resonate with you? That... You're thinking this thing, and Republicans do the same thing about liberals. It's always like, "Oh, these liberals are idiots. They're yeah. dummies. They're 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 violent protesters." Well, we not all sixty million, and not all your neighbors. They're, they're, I've yeah. seen enough on Twitter though with things like, "So you're saying sixty million people are racist?" And the response is, "Yes." Yeah, right. And that remark that's become the answer to it. There has, and and there are conservatives that would say, if I said, "Do you think sixty million people are stupid that they voted for Hillary Clinton?" They'd go, "Yeah." Yeah. 
And that's so that's and more and more those numbers are growing more and more, man. I or that you know, sixty million people that think Trump is sexist and is about to nominate a woman to the Supreme Court. Dude, the, you know, the, things the, like things like that that are interesting. The number of things like that, like when you when you just turn them around, they're absolutely absurd. Donald Trump was accused at one point. Uh, I mean, the things that we could lay out uh, that that people said were going to happen once Donald Trump got elected, or you know, if he well, not only not only that, but we're currently in one right now. The, the one that's the hot topic right now is uh, people. I, I, I don't believe this at all, but many, many, many people do, that if Donald Trump loses on November 3rd, he is not going to leave the Oval Office. There is a lot of people because you saw yesterday on Twitter. You saw with people that are mutual friends of ours. You know, this is terrifying. It's not terrifying. If the guy loses, he's going to leave. Okay, Trump says stuff. He's a blowhard. He does stuff to rile people up on purpose. He's going to leave. It, it's not... Mark, it, it was... That was a it, great it, example. It's ridiculous. That was a great example of how journalism works. The question is presented out of nowhere. We have, all, we have, a, we have a bunch of real threats and real problems happening in the world. And out of nowhere, a reporter says, hey, by the way, this election that you're about to, to run in, once you lose, what are you going to do? And, I, and I'm, I'm, playing it, I'm playing it extra snotty there. And again, so, I, so, he, so if, if he plays um, the way the reporter wants him to. Which is never going to happen. And he says, and yeah. he says, well, yeah, good question. Uh, you know, <laughs> when I lose on the, the 20th of January, I will uh, shake the, Biden's hand and I'll peacefully leave. Now the headline believes even Trump doesn't think he's going to win. You've nailed it, Mark. You've nailed it. It's ridiculous. What's he supposed to say? This is the, it's the political chess equivalent of when did you stop beating your wife? Yeah. What? Huh? Oh, well, apparently never. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. So, and again, and, but Trump, it's so, everybody's to blame again because, Trump will never play the game. He knows when he points to that reporter, he knows whatever this jerk says, I'm going to fight back. I'm going to push back, and I'm going to say something that's going to make his eyebrows squish together. (laughs) Watch, watch. I'm going to make this guy squirm in his seat. No matter, and he's he's had that entire conversation with himself before he the guy says a word. And then again, the reporter who does ask the question, not in my tone, but just says, "Hey, sir, if we get to this point, what happens then?" It's a snotty question, though, because it's designed for exactly that. It's kind of a gotcha question. There's What's no, the point of the question? no good answer for it. Right. What is the point of the question? For the guy to say, yeah, I'll, yeah, I don't, I mean, like. We're I'm more not gonna, than a month away from the election. I'm we're not focused gonna, on what happens when I lose. Right, right. Like I'm, that, that, that's, I'm focused on winning. The that, snotty, that should be the answer. The snotty answer, one of the snotty answers is, I'm not going to take all the W's off the keyboards, if that's what you mean. Yeah. Yeah, we're not going to. We're not going to. I do steal, wonder if that's true. By the we're way, we're not going to take the drapes to our uh, to our lake house in Nantucket, if yeah. that's what you mean. You know, like that's the. Yeah, I I don't know. We're we're going to when we took over, we weren't given the keys to all the rooms. We weren't given uh, the the same the same credit that was given to the previous administrations wasn't handed to this one. So yeah. they don't even know what a transition of power is supposed to look like. So, and again, man, I, I come across here as I'm defending, I, I'm not voting for Trump. I'm not voting for Biden. I promise you that I will vote for Republicans and Democrats on the, on the ballot. 
in November. Rob Sand is a friend of mine, the dude that's the state auditor. I think he's fantastic. I wouldn't vote for anybody else besides. I don't know anything about Democrat. Rob Sand other than he did uh, run fantastic commercials, or at least one of them. Do you know his thing about how he caught the dude that stole from the lottery? Um, you mean the guy that uh, won the huge jackpot? So that guy that's in prison, the guy that is in prison now, he won the huge jackpot. And then there was that big story about him claiming it like with an hour to go. Remember? Yeah. Yeah. Phone call came from a Canadian law firm. Yeah. Fishy as hell. Yeah. That said, we hold the ticket and we want to claim the prize. And the Iowa lottery said, hold up red flags everywhere. We're going to look into this thing. Rob Sand was the dude that basically investigated this story, found out what happened and pulled this guy out of the weeds. And it turned out to be the guy that had designed the algorithm for picking the numbers, Mark. Yeah. He had, it's, it's, it's a long, complex story, but it's really interesting. So the, the way that the numbers are selected is it takes a, 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 a reading from our atmosphere of a certain isotope that exists in the atmosphere at random levels. Now, I know this sounds strange, but this is honestly how the the lottery numbers are selected. I thought we were talking about, uh, don't they drop a damn ping pong ball? No, this is, it's a different, this is for like certain games. It's for like a pick three. There are certain ones that do do it this way. And they do that to completely randomize it. And then it doesn't just take that number in the atmosphere and then just apply it. It it has some other, there are several steps of this randomizing process that happens, but it starts with pulling a reading from the atmosphere daily. This the guy that wrote that program also noticed that there were like a few dates a year where the lottery drawings would happen that he could kind of flag like the, the Wednesday before Christmas and the Wednesday before Easter and things like that. He had certain little benchmarks that he designed in the code to not, on those dates, do not pull from this isotope reading. Instead, pull from this preordained group of numbers. Okay. Like 30 different sets of numbers. Okay. So then what he did was he called the first time, first thing he did was he called his brother who lived in Colorado. And he said, I want you to go to a gas station. I want you to buy 30 lottery tickets, buy these. With these numbers. With these numbers, and you're going to be guaranteed to win like a couple hundred grand or something. Yep. And it worked. Yep. So he did it again and again and again and again. And and over the course. Greed. Yep. And over the course of time, did it for his friends, did it for co-workers and family members that needed needed money or that he thought needed money. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, Rob Sand. So did uh, Rob get into the code to find it? I don't remember. Yeah, I think that was how they, I think that was how they determined. Well, no, they found the videotape of the guy buying this particular ticket because he bought that ticket at the quick trip down on off of I-8035. Yeah. So in every instance, though, they were doing uh, not quick picks. Where the computer picks, they were doing. They, would, they were filling it out. Absolutely it right. That was an important part. Which of would it be too. a telltale sign that okay, yep. the randomness is out of this because they keep picking the right numbers. Right. So uh, he's the state auditor. Yeah. Correct. So the only issue, and I'm not even saying an issue with him, like of all the positions that should, in theory, be nonpartisan, shouldn't the state auditor be be the one? I mean, you should have yeah. no, you should have no idea the political leanings of your state auditor. Yeah, Mark. I think that we. I think that most of our, when we go to the ballot, I think having political party affiliations next to names is dumb. 
it, it, it encourages... Or straight ticket. It, it, I think straight ticket voting is one of the dumbest things that we ever put on a ballot. Yeah. It's, it is just ridiculous that we got to that point where it was like, well... No you're thought either, required. You're either going to vote for one side or the other the whole way through, so go ahead and just pull the ballot. Dude, I, I think we've talked about this before. My ideas on voting are totally different for everybody else. I think we should restrict voting as much as possible. I think that voting... The first thing that should be done and the easiest thing would be take names off ballots. Take take the names off a of ballot. Right. When you show up, you have to be able to know who's running for what office. Yeah. And if you can write the person's name even close to being spelling it correctly, that vote counts. Or and again, I know that because the personal responsibility aspect of voting is pretty weak. You have to show up. Right. That's well, not what's anymore. required. Not of anymore. You. Well, yeah, not anymore. Now you can just mail it back in. So the really nasty part where people where liberals would really hate me is that I think that we should not allow... If you don't pay property taxes, you shouldn't get to vote. Hmm. Interesting. You, you're not... Yeah, you, you're part of yeah. our economy. You're, you're, incre- you're increasing the tax base through sales tax and things like that and your, and your income tax. Property tax is what primarily is funding our society. Big driver of schools. Huge driver of all this. And, and when you really break down what's happening in local governments, it's property tax expenditures that are being yeah. talked about. So that if, if I had my way, that would be one of the things that I would do. I would say, if you are a property taxpayer, then you get to come down and you get to be part of this process where you get to decide who the representatives are that make your decisions, right? Based on... And that, again, but that comes down, then that breaks down real quickly because we just have, we have a system that is not equal right now. Do I get two votes based on what I pay in property taxes? And that's Ross? the thing. Then does, does Jack Whitford get seven votes because he has seven different properties around town? Does uh, our, our, our minority friends and the people of color in our community, are they adversely affected because a lot of them, they, they own homes in lower percentages? Yeah. Than the 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 white community in Des Moines, I don't you know Mark, yeah. all of those are fair things. But the point of it being, we have way too many people that are blindly walking in there and just pulling a lever that have a, and, and I think I don't well, know how, we, I don't we, know how we people see it, are, and, I'll, and I'll accuse both sides of this. Yeah, I don't we, know how we, both we, sides don't see it. We we see it in that you got parties that are doing anything and everything just to get people to go vote. Now they don't say in a tweet if you do x you need to go vote for this person it's implied the story that and i'm not gonna say the story's true it's just the the story that i that i saw this week um had um i don't know if it was soros but i'll use soros even anecdotally soros paying off um uh fines for felons in florida i saw this to be able to get them to be able to go vote they can't do so apparently in florida if they have fines outstanding yeah so there's a movement to get money to pay off these fines so these people can get into the ballot box and vote. Who are they voting for, Ross? Is it, I'm going to pay your fine and you get to choose who you want to go? We just want you to vote. That's what this is about, Ross. It's about the process. It's about America. We just want you to vote. What do celebrities mean when they say, go vote, go vote, go vote? Are they talking about Trump? I don't think so. I don't think so. But that's that. That's the thing that was amazing to me when uh, when the um, George Floyd thing happened. With all the reaction that was happening to that, I saw people that went on Twitter and Facebook and said the the solution to this is voting. The, well, like, well like, no, like, and, it, and it can't be because uh, if more of you vote for Trump, then it's the same, right? It stays the same. Wait, so that, that can't be that, the solution. It was so amazing to me. It was like, man, what? 
what happened when Obama was president? Like, a, a vo- people voting for a Republican caused a cop to kill this guy? That's yeah. the dumbest thing I've heard, man. And and Ferguson happened when Barack Obama was president, and you had a black Democrat attorney general in a, a in a state run by a lot. Of, well, I guess Missouri is you know kind of here and there, right? But yeah, yeah. Uh, that's um, it's it's shocking to me how quickly people go to. Their thing. Dude, when Ruth Bader Ginsburg died last week, or over the week, yeah, yeah, uh, Joni Ernst got immediate backfire because she, somebody in her campaign, or her, whoever, whatever, yeah, a tweet came out from her account that said, hey, donate. You want to make a, want to make a difference here? And they said she's profiting off her like, death. It was like, oh my gosh, how dare she do that? You know what I saw the very next morning, Mark? The very next morning, one of the first stories on USA Today was... How many millions of dollars Democrats had raised in the in the hours after Ruth Bader Ginsburg died? Yeah. So it was okay for it was totally fine. And by the way, Joni Ernst's attempt to fundraise was used as a fundraiser for the Democrats. Yeah. They instantly re- recaptured that tweet and said, "See, this is she's raising money. We need to beat." Her. This is what I think we can agree to. Both parties do this type of stuff. When when people like uh, Chuck Schumer came out and gave a speech um, this this week pertaining to Trump nominating somebody and and rushing it through and all of that, and essentially how that would sully sully the good name of the Senate chambers, dude. Pol- politics politics is a dirty business for both sides. Both sides say things when it's advantageous for them, and then when the 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 coin is flipped, and they need to say something different because it's advantageous for them, they are going to do it. Okay, they all do it. It is professional politics. They are going to say what they need to say in the moment. It's amazing to me that either people don't get this, or don't want to acknowledge that it is true. We've seen again one of your good friends. You know tweeting out last week how disappointed he was in Senator Grassley. What a, what a way to go into retirement. What did, uh, what did Senator Grassley do that was so disappointing? Senator I'm, Grassley's I'm, 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 I'm not going not gonna to get in the way of this nomination. Oh, He's so disappointed. Yeah. Like he expected Grassley to, you know, block this vote. No, Grassley's got a side. Grassley has a side. Like everybody does. He has constituents that want him to do certain things. He's going to do what benefits those constituents. He's going to do what his people want him to do, and he's going to act like the side that he's on. And the other side would do the exact same thing. So if we could just eliminate this back and forth about politicians and how we expect them to do things and we hold them to a higher standard, bullshit. They're humans with agendas. All of them. You're absolutely right. Both sides. So stop this petty crap about, I expected better. Why? I expect them to do exactly what they're doing. Every single time. The difference, the, uh, the difference is between now and four years ago, which keep getting brought up, and how it's like, well, everybody says, well, look at what your side said in four years ago. Well, look what your side said. Well, Chuck Schumer said that we should push it through. Well, Chuck Grassley said... And so now, yeah, you, you, it's, it's so easy. Again, it's that moral high ground, man, to go, oh, I'm so disappointed. I'm not disappointed in my guy for changing his position. No, yeah. no, no, no. Yeah. My, my guy thought it through 
and has come to a, a, a more enlightened conclusion. Your guy's a flip-flopper who's playing politics. Yes, 100%. And, and it's, it's shock. It, it's, uh, anyway. And this isn't even a stuff, partisan it's issue. Not even, it's it's it, both sides. The differences from four years ago are glaring, too, Mark. When Obama was getting ready to nominate somebody at the, in his final term, the Republicans had all of the control in the in the Senate, and it wouldn't have it wasn't going to go anywhere anyway. It would have been well, and one, and for one, show. one for sure difference is you knew that Obama's term was done. You knew it was done, right? right? You don't know today that Trump's term is done. That is a difference. Now you might justify, well, it, it's really not because that it is based on on those two Could things. It it is it is a difference. The only time Ross that I want to run for politics. And I really don't. I'm friends with Jack Whiffer, and I know some of the stuff he has to deal with. So it's, like I said, it's a dirty business, man. It just is. Are the moments where I hear ads, like uh, the one I hear all the time right now is uh, Teresa Greenfield. I'm not going to go into Teresa Greenfield, what she's done or hasn't done. But when the ad says, Teresa Greenfield is different. Right there. No, she's not. She's a human. If she gets elected, she's going to go do things that benefit her and her own party. Well, she'll work with people, even Donald Trump. That's what the ad says. Even Donald Trump. No, she's going to go there and she's going to oppose Donald Trump on everything. She put it in her ad. Just like, just even, like all of them, dude. Even the evil, malicious, So horrible. here's So here's the campaign. I'll, I'm so nice and I'm so different. I'm even going to work with him. You want to know how I'm going to get votes, Ross? My campaign ad goes a little bit like this. Mark's running for whatever. Doesn't even matter. And Mark, once elected, is going to continue to act and speak like he's been doing his entire life. Mark's not going to change. Mark has opinions. Mark has a side. Mark has an agenda, most likely, and he's going to do things to propel those things forward. Occasionally, Mark will make a decision that benefits him. Because why else is he in politics unless he gets a benefit out of it? Mark, you can't win unless you say, Mark's going to do what's best for Iowans. No. So my campaign (laughs) is, Mark's going to try to do what's best for Iowans in most of the cases, but occasionally Mark's going to score one for him. Okay? And and hopefully you guys benefit at the same time from that. that. Like, let's get that refreshing ad out there that's actually true. Everybody runs the same ads, right? Right. I'm, I'm going to be different. The ad says, exactly, the ad usually says, he's going to go and do what's right for Iowans. Yeah. Well, which Iowans? The, the con- ones the that conserv- voted for them. The conservative Iowans or the liberal Iowans? The, the, the rural Iowans or the urban Iowans? The, the ones that live in Leon, Iowa, or the ones that live in Pleasant Hill, Iowa? Because they have completely different wants and needs from the federal government. Yeah. And the state government, and the local government, and all of all the way down, and it's yeah. and it is absurd. And that those platitudes and those pandering, they work, Mark. The reason that every single ad says, "Be afraid of Teresa Greenfield," it works because somebody at home is going, "Oh my gosh, that lady must be awful." Because mm-hmm. that man, that voice on the television, I know it sounds stu- It sounds so dumb when you're saying it out loud. It works. It works but what's so ironic well. is, ironic is, right after the Teresa Greenfield worships the devil. Yes. The very next commercial is Teresa Greenfield goes to church yeah. eight times a week. Yeah, right. So you think it would like 
equal out. It's right. It, it it's incredible, man. I don't I don't know if it it doesn't equal out, Mark. What it does is it reaffirms your pre-existing beliefs. That's all it does. It it, it 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 the bad one makes you go, oh my god, I can't believe people would say something horrible about such a wonderful human being. Yeah. And the and the good one makes you go, see, at least oh, at least my money's going to promote that good message. Yeah. Because because we because I sent money into her campaign, which by the way, I, anyway, I won't even. Do that. If you were uh, if you were running for office, Ross, could you even watch TV? That's the thing I think about. At the end of the day, these people are people. You're Jack Whiffers and Teresa Greenfields and Cindy you know, Axneys and all of them, them right. right? There's people. But imagine turning on the TV and seeing commercials that are specifically about what a piece of shit you are. Dude. Like, how weird is that? Yeah. That's crazy. You're going to see it, man. You're going to see it with Which your buddy. Which tells me your that buddy the Jack re- Whitford will have commercials running against him someday. That the the reason, Whitford. though, the reason people are willing to withstand that is the other side must be pretty good. When you get to that seat, when you become the senator, when you become in the House of Representatives, whatever, it, it's, it can't just be about serving the people of Iowa. The perks have got to be pretty, pretty nice as well. You know, I, I know. Oh, yeah, we got first streets open. Apparently, rats at our office. We've been waiting months for this. Right after this is over, us, me and you Let's are going to drive under the bridge. Let's go streak across the road. And say we're going to drive like, under the bridge. We were the first ones to streak across First Street. Yeah. What do you say, Bernsey? Let's do it. What? Hey, here, he's already getting naked. He's already getting naked. Here's a question for you, Ross. What? Um, Look at that thing. Jesus. You were you you almost cried on the radio this week. I loved it. I didn't almost cry. I love that. I've thought about that when I got home the other night. And I was like, I maybe need to go back and listen to that. <sighs> it's been rough. <sighs> You did one of, one of those. My family's mad at each other. That's what you said. I just quoted you verbatim. No need to go back and listen. I just, I just nailed it. Okay. It's totally fine. So here's my question, Ross. How do you get, uh, I, I don't even know his correct. It, what? Superintendent A-hole is his name. A-heart. Oh, A-heart. A-heart. That's my bad. That's that's a miss. Yeah, I'm sorry. I had that wrong. Okay, Ahart uh, voted into that position or hired into that position. School boards a vote. Was he voted in or hired in? Yeah, but superintendent is hired. Are you sure? Because we're trying to figure out for the good of your family how to get that guy out of the job. That's yeah, what's going to take. Superintendent is hired. Okay, so who can fire this guy? School board. Who's not going to do it because no. they agree with him. Yeah, they agree with him wholeheartedly here. Yeah, so you're screwed. Yeah, we're screwed for a long time, man, on the uh, on the home front. Now, I'll probably break down again here and start talking. <laughs> Can't do it. All right. Well, I did it you know, last week. We did talk about this, and it's funny because my uh, uh, my friend Luann actually sent me a text the other day, and she's like, hey, I was listening to you and Mark's podcast. I want to I pick your brain about all this stuff because I've got, obviously got a lot of thoughts. On it, but she'd also heard me on the radio. She didn't say anything about me crying, you big jerk. Well, she's nice to you. I'm not. She was nice to me, and you're not. You're right. Uh, the uh, uh, the the point of what we talked about last week, all of that still stands, man. That like, it's bad news. It it is. It's not healthy for my kid, for his mental health, for his education. What I think should happen now, Mark. I, I'm. T- I think they should reset to where spring break happened. I think my son, who is 10 years old, 
should still be in fourth grade based on the curriculum and, and should go back and pick up where they left off because they never finished fourth grade. Correct. There's no business being in, they never Correct. finished the curriculum. Yeah. And now we're rushing through the first semester of fifth grade and they've got them doing jumping jacks and coloring books and like kindergarten stuff. And I don't, Again, I don't want any of this to come across as a knock against his teacher or the or teachers because teachers are somewhat powerless. They to are, do and I'm and I'm listening to her, and she's trying. They're really, really trying. They're trying to do real lessons. They're trying to do real learning. It's nearly impossible now. Yeah. And and maybe again, I know my my situation is completely unique, and it, it, it he, my son's classroom is unique, and the thirty kids that are there are a different concoction than every other thirty kids that other parents are dealing with. Yes. But in my situation. It's really bad, really bad. My son is who loved school and was a really smart kid is done. Just I mean, from this morning, dude, before I leave the house, dreads it, hates before, it. Yeah, he signs up at eight, and before I leave the house at eight thirty, you can see it, man. He's uncomfortable. He's yeah, he's tuning out. He's play, fidgeting with other things. He needs the structure that school provides. Yes, and and you need to be removed, like. A lot of us are more productive when we leave the house. Yeah. A lot of people can work from home. A lot of people have figured out how to do that. When this whole thing started, though, that was a real common talking point. It was like, hey, every study shows that on the, as a mass, we're less productive at home. You're distracted by laundry and the television and the kids and the sounds outside and the neighbors and the people on the porch and every little thing that doesn't happen when you're at the office. Sure. The same thing's happening to our damn kid, man. Yeah. Yeah. And and it's like, well, everybody's going through it. No, they're not. No, no, my school district's the one that can't get can't get it figured Yours out. Yours is the worst. The, wor- the Correct. one. I, I don't know. Mark, so I don't know. I'm an Ankeny's better, but it's not. So my kids have been in school, I think this week, they're there three days. So that he went, yeah, Monday went yesterday. There today. Um, the at-home stuff, not good. Not good. I mean, it's, they're through it quick. It's just way, way different, obviously. Um, but obviously, to be able to go the amount of days he's going, some weeks is okay. Um, so that means next week, I think he's only in two days a week. Um, it's not sustainable long term. It's frustrating. When you don't believe, which is me, when you don't believe that if they all return to school full time, people won't die from it, which I think is true. Um, it's frustrating that they're not letting them go back to school. Um, and that's just, you know, and that, I, and that comes from the same place that looks around when I drive past a hospital expecting to see crowds of people outside because they're overcrowded and overrun. I don't, I'm not seeing it. I'm just not. Ames, this is ironic. We were just told, what, three weeks ago? Ames was the COVID hotbed of the world. Yeah. Right? World. Mary Greeley is not a very big hospital. Did you hear any stories about Mary Greeley Hospital being overrun, Ross? No, because the the story has has stopped being hospitalizations, Mark. Because the news, all right, the, the news it. has to the news has to scare you. The news has to get you to tune in. The news has to get you to emote in some way. Yeah. And, they, and, and if every day they came on, or, or those 90% of days when there's not a lot happening, if they came on the news and said, hey, guys, guess what? It's 10.02. Things are looking great. Congratulations. We made it through the day with no murders. There's no big news to, to, to get you riled up about. Now, But now on to Keith Murphy with sports. 
I mean, Anchorman 2 laid this out perfectly. Like, news became entertainment. News became something that they, they have to kind of sell to you. And that's where we're at now. So it's got to be something that's like, oh, my gosh, breaking news. It's Teresa Greenfield voice again. They, they've got to do that. And the only way they can do that is with the new scare tactic. And they'll constantly move the goalposts. They've, we talked about this, Mark. It started off with, oh, my God, we're going to overrun the hospitals and the ventilators. Oh, the ventilators. What are we going to do when the ventilators are out? Our good friend John Olson is handing me a stat. I'm trying to look for the source on this because I know people love sources. I'm going to give you the stat anyway. So this is a September 22nd update on COVID-19 among students on campus since August from 37 different universities. Okay. So I'm looking at this list. It's got Alabama, Ohio State, uh, Kansas, Miami, Wisconsin, Notre Dame, Temple, uh, Oklahoma State, Iowa State, et cetera, okay? Reported uh, COVID cases since August combined for these 31 schools, 37, 37 schools, 48,299 cases, okay? The next chart over is reported hospitalizations for those cases, Two of 48,000, 48,000, two hospitalizations. Take a wild guess, Ross. How many deaths? Zero of those two. Zero. And, and so, so it begs the question, what are we doing? Even, even if this is close to being right. Okay. You could debate the numbers and say, well, those aren't the numbers. The numbers are something else. But even if you did that, even if it was 48,000 and one person had died. Or three people have died, or, or, or I mean, whatever. You know, Mark, and it does. Like, well, what are we doing? And how does amazing, and how does man. it how does it end, Ross? How does this end? The only way, Mark, is with a vaccine, which could still be more years. than a year away. Could be years, uh, years. Yeah. So, like, uh, I think it's Pfizer right now is in their third tri- uh, the third stage of their of their trial. Have you looked into how these? these trials work and how they move through mark if at any point and i mean they can get into like they can be here in this third stage yeah. third phase of this deep into it if it if something goes wrong it all gets scratched it goes back to absolute square one which i think for this particular drug square one was in in something like may or well, something keep, like keep in mind that the previous record for fastest vaccine is four years it's it's right so they take time Mark, you ask what's gonna what's it gonna take there is no data there isn't because everybody's got their own data like you just said before you even prefaced it before you read that like everybody wants to know a source because every week we're nissing we're horrible people man human beings are awful we send out stuff that we there are things on the internet that are just plat- patently false that people just throw into there yeah. to be shitheads yeah so you'd never know, and we all know that that exists, and we all know that information can be skewed, and that even with well-intentioned data, it can get off very easily. Humans make mistakes. Here, here all the, is something, like, and here's a narrative that I don't believe at all. People say, well, just wear your mask, and if we all would wear our masks, in two weeks, this would all be over. I don't buy that for a second, Mark. Dude. Imagine, Imagine 100% of Americans wearing masks for two weeks. We all agree. We're all going to mask up completely for two weeks. You think in two weeks, Ross, life's back to normal? No. No. Not close, Mark. No. It's ridiculous. Do people actually believe that? Carlin has a, Carlin has a really good thing. And I, and, I, and I would never be able to 
lay out the right timeline and chronology that he does it. But he, he goes back into the 70s, and he says, you know, for a long time we were told that you know, it, was a, it was a fight to wear seatbelts. And people said, listen, I don't want to wear seatbelts. And they said, but you have to. It's safe. And we all went, you know what? It is. Okay. And then it was smoking. And it was like, well, you, you can't smoke. He said, well, I, I, I want to smoke. He said, yeah, but it's not safe. Okay. It, are people really trying to make you safer? Are people just trying to tell you what to do? Yeah. And, and, and there's probably a little bit of both. There's probably a little bit of the, I want you to be safe, and I want to be safe, and I want society to be safer, but at the same time, I want you to do it my way. Correct. And, that's, and, and I think that's where we are with this, is every, the, and, and like with the school board, Tom Ahart is a guy that now has some power. So when you're a human being and you're given some power... And then, Mark, like you were saying with your campaign ad, what would if you were given power, what would you do? What what I thought was best? Yeah, I'd do what I want, not what you tell me to do. I'd Correct. do what I want. That's what he's doing. I would do what it would take to stay in the seat and keep the good times rolling, and do things or, that benefit me and the people that are going to vote for right. Him. Or even if even if somebody came to you and said, "Hey, by doing this, you're not going to get elected next time," you'd go, "Yeah, but I'm doing this. Yeah, it's good for me now because it's, I can because I can, and it's good for me and my and my businesses." So yeah, it's I, funny. Anecdotally, though, I don't know what you're seeing out there in, in real life. Okay, I'll give you an example of real life because people want to know. This is just interesting. This might be an Ankeny example. It might be a uh, uh, I I don't know, but I got an email. Um, from the flag football league um, that I'm coaching, coaching my son in fourth grade flag football. And the league said uh, all coaches need to wear masks. Kids need to wear masks, not while they're playing the play, but in the huddle. They need to have a mask on and then they can take it off on their way to the line of scrimmage. Um, and all fans in attendance have to wear a mask. Okay. So first week I went there, which is two weeks ago, I took a, a gator because, you know, I don't want to do that. It's not th my thing, but I'm the coach. So I'm going to, you know, follow the league rules, which is fine. I show up there. There's a game going on before our game. I kind of surveil the field, and there's probably at least 100 people on the sideline, parents, grandparents, kids watching this game. I uh, look out on the field, coaches, nobody Ross is wearing a mask. Now, to be fair, maybe one person was that I saw. Yeah. Okay, but collectively as a group, nobody is wearing a mask. Yeah. I just think people are, are tired of it, honestly. Um, now, maybe, maybe it'd be different. Maybe if I went to uh, Des Moines, I would see a lot more mask wearers. Maybe if I went to uh, Waukee, I might. I will tell you, being in both places, being up here in Ankeny a lot, uh, and then you know, being in Des Moines most of my time, it's different. There's a difference. People are people are a lot more masked up down in Des Moines. Um, Mark, the thing that you're talking about there, man, like who? I think you're right. People are over it. The enforcement of stuff like that is where you get into real problems. So I think what happened there is that you've got the the league that just needs to do the cover your ass. Hundred percent. They, they also want to make sure that the most worried of you feels comfortable because they know that the people that aren't worried are going to go, Psh, so what? Yeah. I'm going to go play flag football. And I'll, yeah, for sure. And I would have done the same thing, Mark. I would have put a mask in my pocket or maybe walked out wearing it. And as soon as I saw there were a lot of other people not wearing it, I'd put it, taken it off, put it in my, 
in my pocket. I mean, this same thing happened with baseball this summer with us where we were, you know, we got an email that said only people that live in the house are allowed to come to games. Everybody should be wearing a mask. Everybody should sit six feet apart. None of that stuff happened. None of it. Mm-hmm. Everybody's grandparents was there. The, the the families all sat together on bleachers. We well, this is what happens when there's boxes. no actual punishment, Ross. Well, I mean, there, there's Mark, not a, there's not an identifiable punishment. But I, I don't want there to be a punishment. But and in I, this and, case, there's not, but, and that certainly is right. leading to a lot of this stuff. People don't fear a consequence. I think maybe there's an idea of it. Be, also, that psychology mark behind the Des Moines Police Department putting out a. Uh, um, uh, a curfew. Yeah. Remember when the riots were going on, yeah. or the, the, the demonstrations or whatever, the protests, they put out a curfew and they said, nobody can be outside of your house outside of after nine o'clock. Well, then at nine o'clock, there was a march up Merle Hay Road. Yeah. And everybody's like, what the hell? How come you're not arresting these people? The, the, the rule wasn't really in place for them to enforce it. The rule was in place to limit it. Yeah. The, the, they set the rule out there because they know a lot of people are rule followers. And a lot of people are afraid of going to jail and afraid of sure. interactions with the cops. So if we say 9 o'clock is when the cops are going to start paying attention. 90% of people stay home. I, I, I did. I'd been out to the protests and was watching stuff happen. Yeah. And then those nights I decided, nope, it's not worth it. Yeah. So it worked. It limited the number of people that were going to show sure. up just to be bystanders and gawkers. Maybe the same philosophy or, or psychologies at play here where you say, by saying we only we want people to wear masks, we want maybe we'll limit the number of people that will show up, and and they're thereby relaxing some of the people that are the most likely to come to us and say you're going to kill everybody. So we're just going to put these things out there. We're not going to actually send a cop out to go enforce all this stuff and hand out masks and do those things. We're just putting the rule out there so that that ninety percent will abide by it. I don't know. It's the only thing I can come up with. Are you gonna? You're, you're not a Mel. I was going to read this tweet. I love I love people like this. There's a so they've organized a flag football game. Is it flag? What are they doing for Des Moines? Some of the Des Moines athletes that have had their football season stolen from them uh, have organized a game, which I think is cool. Yeah, they're going to do a seven on seven. Uh, they're going to play. It says the leaders of the team, so I don't know what that uh, what that means, but a couple of the kids apparently are trying to organize something to go play a seven on seven scrimmage. I guess uh, it might be a scrimmage. So anyway, one of the people had tweeted out that this was going to happen, and I want to see if this is still on here. She got oh, okay. So this guy, uh, everyone. DMPS community come support this Friday. We want to play and no one can stop us from playing one way or another, which I've kind of been waiting for this to happen. Like go play a pickup game, you know, do something. So good for them for doing it. <laughs> we have uh, Mel on Twitter. We can't stop you from playing, but encouraging everyone to gather to watch you play is dangerous and short-sighted. <laughs> it will kill people. <laughs> Jeez, come on. Mel, <laughs> Get in your bunker. It will kill people. Stay in your bunker. Let the rest of us do what we need to do. It's like... That narrative is tired, man. Just tired. You don't care about my grandma. Man. Well, I just like reading response to that. Oh, my God. Turn off CNN. 
is one of the responses. Well, there's a, there, I think there are a lot of responses that you could come up with to that that are just that's um that's unfortunate, man. That if you <laughs> feel that way, to tell a high school kid, to tell a high school kid, you're going to kill people. Yeah, what you're doing here is so dangerous; it's going to kill people. Now. Amy Sweeney responds, hey, I heard people are dancing to music in a small town north of here. You should probably swing by and stop the fun also. Oh, poor Mel. Mel got blasted. That's all right. You know, so, I, you know, I again, have people died from it? Yes, they have. We know this. Are these high schoolers playing football uh, with some people gathered to watch going to kill people over in the hospital? No. No. Nope. All right. You leaving? You gonna eat some pizza? No, I'm gonna go. I gotta go pick up the daughter and get her to uh, uh, get her to preschool. Preschool starts at twelve fifty. Mark, I swear next week, man. We need to like. In my opinion, this was not a heavy show. Now, some people that are the depressed type might go, "Oh my god, they talked about politics, etc." So next week, we're gonna try to bring it back around. And yeah, we'll we talk, didn't about, talk like, about like butt, se- butthole pleasures, sex, and yeah, right, right, all the things you usually do. You usually embarrass the shit out of your wife at some point in this podcast. Say something that something that so nobody would ever. We're, want we're gonna we're gonna to we're gonna have um, just uh, shenanigans. I'm down, dude. I Next week, I don't. I don't know what type of shenanigans we're gonna yeah, have. Mark, that's funny because when we, when I very first used to come up here to the offices and hang out with you, when you guys were doing the uh, um, uh, forecast, yeah, and it always seemed like you were the guy. You had some fun game. I remember one of the most fun games I played on the radio was you. You came in with random words. Do you remember this? Yeah, you came in with like. 15 words that don't nobody would know the definition of, and then we had to guess what the definitions of those words yeah. were. And yeah. I remember that being a lot of fun. Yeah. So we, should, we, we can do, I mean, we did trivia a couple weeks ago. That was really fun. Was that last week? Two we did trivia. Ago. All right. So before you get out of here, we'll play around a shag, marry, kill. You ready? We're okay. going to do it. We're going to do it with the girls that work here. Oh my God. Just what? to put you really, really on the spot. Oh my God. All right. Here you go. Shag, marry, kill. You got KK, you got Kim, and you got Taylor. This is not okay, Mark. Well, you're the one complaining that we don't have games, so now we do. Oh, do any of them listen? KK no. does. KK does. Well, her husband she's, does and she's makes off, her. She's off the kill list. You know, and Nate's listening right now, so he'll tell them whatever you said. And, so I'll, probably, and, I'll, and I'll probably text them directly after you say all right, this. All right, so I've got to go marry KK because her you husband's listening. You don't have to. Well, I have to. Her husband's listening, and he's going to tell her, and I'm not going to be like, hey, Ross. <laughs> Ross wants to bang you, or Ross wants to kill you. Okay, all right. I, I, I fear the retribution of killing Kim much more than I do Tay-Tay. As much as I enjoy Taylor's company, she's going to be on my kill list, and I'm going to... But, you know, the ramifications of shagging Kim might be yeah, just her, as her, bad. Her husband's a uh, <laughs> peace officer. Yeah, it might be just as bad it's as It's a tough one. Oh my it's a gosh. tough one. Okay, let's see. Let's see here. I think I think I've I think I've got to stick with that order though. So we're ma- we're, we're marrying I we're marrying KK. Kim. We're, we're shagging yeah. Kim. Yeah, I don't know Kim's husband. I've and only we're, heard we're killing that, Taylor. Heard that he's a cop and kind of a big dude and I don't want to piss him off. So I hate to say, yeah, I'm going to Nate, do you want to answer the Nate, same question? Nate, you got to jump in here. You got to help me out. Yeah, yeah. So I can't marry KK. Here, get the, you, you need a, you need a microphone for that to work, buddy. Here you go. Why not? 
I, I cannot marry KK. We would never get along, and I think she'd agree with this. So. KK, KK would be a little bit tough to be married to. I'll be honest about her, that. Her and I, we one of us would kill the other one. So and the, so we can't marry. She's very, so. very opinionated about things. Stubborn. Yeah. Stubborn. Oh, man, this is tough. I think, oh, man, I think I'm going to kill KK. <laughs> lovingly. <laughs> loving, uh, lovingly, though. Oh, man. Lovingly. I hope she listens to this. Oh, no, I'm texting her. Right uh, now. Keep going. <laughs> Man, I am scared of Kim's husband, but I'm going to go ahead and shag Kim. <laughs> Wait, so both of you, nice. Both of you agreed well, to shag was, Kim. You know, she's, you know. She's Way older. to go. Well, she's experienced. She knows what she's doing. And then I'm going to marry Tay-Tay. That's fine. Okay. That's, that's what I'm rolling with. Uh, how old's Tay-Tay? 20? She's 20. Yeah, 20. You're going to marry a 20-year-old? That'd be difficult, dude. That would come with a whole nother set of problems and circumstances. Again, like Tay-Tay. Like her a lot. Seems like a wonderful young lady. All right. Well, congrats to Kim. You've got uh, both Nate and Ross. Wanted to shag you. So what a what a moment for you. I don't want seven stepkids. So that's <laughs> it's all good. All right, everybody. Come back next week for shenanigans. No more of this political talk. We promise. We're gonna do nothing but. Uh, I don't know what we're gonna do. We're gonna figure it out right when we hit record next week. We'll see you then. Another episode of Jump the Shark is in the books. Ross and I hope you had fun with us and we made your week a little better. If you love the show, you can help the show. Please subscribe to us wherever it is you listen to your podcast. You can also show some love by telling others about Charterhouse Real Estate. We have made it easy for you to talk about us by charging sellers a lot less commission. They will thank you for giving them our name. We truly appreciate your support and we will talk to you next week.